0: On today's show, I am joined by the Eurosteps and GSPN's head honcho, Ty Windish, as we talk more about Cavs-Bucks, the sudden coaching change for Milwaukee, and we look ahead to Game 2 of this t- two-game series in the Cream City.
1: You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast.
0: As I had mentioned at the top of the show, ladies and gentlemen, he's back, our most frequent guest, especially when the Bucks are playing the Cavs. It is Ty Wittish. Ty, how are you doing this morning?
1: Let's go. I'm doing great, Evan. Thank you for having me back. We there's so many Bucks things to talk about, but it's nice to have just a game, actual basketball yeah. to talk about versus rumors and reporting and who's making the calls and who's coming in, and we all know who went out, but uh, seeing Giannis, especially and Chris Middleton, uh, have a great game against Cleveland, and you know Damian Lillard maybe not finding the success from the floor, but able to get some foul shots and you know pass the ball. But it was just great to, after all the noise that this week has brought around the Bucks, watch them play a very good team. I don't know if you saw Joe Prunty's press conference after the game. He stressed like the Cavs are playing so well. Like this is a game. Like he kept trying to get back to that. I think he really probably just didn't want to talk about. Much else beside the game, given everything going on, but, you know, talked about the run the Cavs are on, their point differential over the last eight games, and just how proud he was of the Bucs. And I think every Bucs fan was proud, relieved, whatever, to see them come out and play such a strong game wire-to-wire against a team that is really rolling, even with their injuries.
0: So I want to ask you this. I, I did get snippets of Fronti's presser. I didn't watch or listen to the whole thing, but I did see him heaping praise on the Cavs. And I understand you don't want to talk about technically your former boss just on his way out the door, and you're kind of taking it, holding down the four for him until your maybe new boss comes in, depending on what Doc Rivers does. But it, it was a week removed from the Cavs last played the Bucks, and we had Numak on the show for Thursday just to talk about it. We really focused on how like Giannis just being there and being the force of nature that he is was a huge difference maker, but. Just overall, as a guy who lives, breathes, eats, covers the Bucks extensively, um, did you just notice a tonal shift compared to not even just a week ago, but just overall in this season, just versus like having Fronty manning the forward versus Griffin? Like, we're not going to obviously speculate, but I, I remember I messaged you or texted you saying when the Bucks were in town, I'm like, are the Bucs normally this bad defensively without Giannis, or are they just this bad in general? And he said, you told me like it's a little bit of column A, column B, just like they're not good defensively this year. So, did you just notice like a total shift from them last night, just compared to where they were at for the you know the beginning of the season to what well, now?
1: Yeah, it did seem like. I mean, of course, you know we weren't going to see like a full schematic change. I I think it seems like they were closer to the rim a lot defensively, which is one thing that Eric Name of the Athletic, who does great Bucks coverage, pointed out like. You know, the things that they've not been good at are being too aggressive for offensive rebounds and not getting back in transition, which has really been something that has, um, you know, just undone the Bucks all, all, all season. And they outscored the Cavs 20 to 14 on fast break points, which is what kind of a, so shows you that, like, OK, they didn't they didn't get gouged in transition, at least not more than they got. And they only allowed six offensive rebounds and, and got 10 of their own in this game as well. So those two things, I think as well as, you know, it's Joe Prunty or or Doc Rivers or whoever being the coach isn't going to magically, you know, make Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley and Chris Middleton defensive stoppers. But I think there's, they can go away from kind of the aggressive defense that Adrian Griffin tried to bring and tamp down, but still was somewhat bringing from his Toronto days and maybe just be more solid. And that, that could just be enough given what they have offensively, right? I mean, this was, you know, Dame is eight for 21 and they score 126 points, like fairly easily. And they shoot 37.9% from deep, which is good, but it's like, you know, slightly above average. Like there's going to be nights when you shoot 45% from deep. There's going to be nights when Dame doesn't miss that many shots at all, much less 13 of his 21. So yeah, I think, I think I'm assuming (laughs) big variable coming in the door, but I'm assuming we're going to see more of the kind of, you know, less aggressive defense, more just make them take a tough shot, rebound everything we can, and then our offense can carry the day. Also, the rotation changed quite a bit. I mean, Andre Jackson Jr. had started some games this year when other players were injured. He was a pretty steady, constant presence in the rotation. And Prunty leaned on the vets. I mean, Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis were the first two off the bench. Pat Connaughton then played and knocked down a couple threes, which Bucks fans were surely relieved. And then Cameron Payne was the the ninth man the last one in the true rotation you know all vets that the bucks could rely on so interesting to see you know maybe relying less on the young raw athleticism with a defense that maybe is needing less of that although the bucks in general could just use more athletes for sure
0: i think i mean most teams could usually use more younger athletic players but it is interesting because you mentioned andrew jackson um, and then just some of the other younger players like the at least Cavs fans saw when Milwaukee was in Cleveland last, were getting some serious minutes. Sure, no, Giannis definitely played a part in that. But I do wonder, just because Pronti's been around the team for, since 2023, and he was the assistant, now he's the interim for the time being. Do you just think maybe him having maybe a better understanding of like the core guys on this roster, mostly Jay, Chris, uh, Giannis, Brooke, Etc. And the like Pat as well, like just like he's like, okay, I know these are vets I can trust, I can lean on in this situation just because it is like a chaotic, tumultuous situation to be in just because Adrian Griffin's let go. He's named the interim head coach. And then within, I think, hours of him kind of being named the head coach or interim head coach rather by just people in the media, it's like, oh, Doc Rivers is swooping in. So, like, you know, just to kind of write the shift, do you just think it's the, I, I, at least in my eyes, it seems like the right move just to lean on vets and guys that. He at least knows can go out there and get him a bucket or get him a stop. And he, he needs them too.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's right. You know, I think Joe Prunty. This is his third time serving as an assistant head coach. Overall, he actually, when the Bucks fired Jason Kidd six years and a day before they fired Adrian Griffin, he was the assistant coach Jeez. who took over then too. Uh, and I believe he also served in Atlanta before Quinn Snyder came in. And so mm-hmm. this is a guy. Who, this is he knows this job right? Like he knows what this requires. And I think when you're serving as the interim head coach and you, 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 you we, maybe we won't say no, but have a very, very strong suspicion there is a another head coach coming in soon, you really just don't want to rock the boat too much. You know, you don't want the team yeah. to crater. You want to keep things moving forward, um, which I think Prunty, you know, from his comments and the way he coached did a great job. But, you know, you're not making big changes. You know, so it's like, let's play the vets. These guys know how to play. Let's simplify things a bit defensively. On offense, let's just have a bunch of Chris, Dame, and Giannis, which I think one of the things Bucks fans were most excited about this game is you look at the shot distribution, which I think would get messy a lot of the times this season. Giannis 24, Dame 21, plus 11 free throws. Chris 15. And then next up is Brooke Lopez with seven. I think the the key players were involved a much better, to a much better degree on offense. We would see games where, you know, Brooke is in double digit shots and most of them are threes and it's like, teams are okay with that. You know, you want Giannis, Chris, and Dame to be the ones who are out there winning or losing that game, and they certainly were tonight, or last night, excuse me, against, against the Cavs. But, yeah, I think when you're the interim coach, like, put the, make things easy, use the guys you can trust to just give yourself a really high floor and, and just, you know, keep things moving for Doc or whoever else. Uh, and I think Prenti did a great job of that, and who knows, maybe he'll have to on Friday, although I know you, I saw your tweet that I loved of, The Cavs could maybe set some history here if they're the first team to play against three different head coaches in 10 days at the same team. I mean, that would be a pretty wild piece of NBA. We need ESPN stats and info to dive into that. That is a, when you put it that way, it's a pretty just bizarre uh, thing to have happen in an NBA season.
0: No, it really is weird to think about. And I think that's, you know, um, to steal from Mark Stein and Chris Haynes, it's hashtag this league for sure. Uh, Maybe not uncut, but it's definitely this league. But, I appreciate you setting the table because this will be a beautiful way to lead in the next segment. We can talk more about the Cavs and the Bucks, of course, but just like you know, adjustments both teams could make, especially because we saw a different-looking Milwaukee squad, just like you said, more veteran-laden. I think Chris Middleton having a big game and Giannis being back were certainly factors. Newmack and I dumped and dived into that quite a bit on Thursday's show. But before we do that, we got to get a quick word in from today's sponsors. Today's episode of Locked On Cavs is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best basketball picks each week all season long, whether preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire. Every week, we're going to provide you with the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's take a quick look at who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. One pick of Josh's that I like is Aaron Nesmith. Nismith's role should be more secure in Indiana with Bruce Brown gone and a shooting and defensive value are important for fantasy managers. The same could be said for Marvin Bagley III as well. With Daniel Gafford in concussion protocol, Bagley has a shot at some decent minutes on a bad team with a new head coach, funnily enough, for in the short term. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball will help you win your fantasy championship and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about playing and being a perfect fit for each other. It's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can ensure your ride runs smoothly. eBay Motors has brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, and whatever your baby or your car needs. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride that first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at those prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Note, eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available in the United States their customers eligible items only exclusions do apply so i know everyone who's listening that was a talked quite a bit about the bucks but there's a lot to unpack of that team because i thought we saw a lot of changes from the first time these two teams clashed to when we saw them in milwaukee wednesday night but looking at a friday tie i think for cleveland side of things obviously if Giannis plays they don't have like a bona fide help defender to help Jared Allen, he's kind of on an island a little bit. And I talked with Numak about this a bit, but it was impressive that Allen didn't rack up a single foul in this game, despite the constant rim pressure Giannis was throwing at them. But I do wonder if this is one of those scenarios where you are undermanned if you're Cleveland and you kind of focus on the role players on Milwaukee's team. Like you talked about the shot distribution. I think Isaac Okoro did a pretty... I mean, at least I forced a lot of Damian Lillard attempts. He got Dame on quite a few, or he made, he bit on a few attempts on Dame and got Dame to the line a few times. But, you know, 8 of 20, I think you're going to take, like making Dame work for those points is something you'll take if you're Isaac Acorio or the Cavs. I think Giannis, like, that's just hard to stop no matter what, because he is one of the best players in the world. Um, but if, like, look at a guy like Chris Middleton, who did not have a good game the first time these two teams met, I wonder if there's a pressure point the Cavs could hit, whether if it's with, Dean Wade, who is a one of the better perimeter defenders on Cleveland's team, I think Max Drews has stepped up quite a bit. I wonder if Donovan Mitchell can use his wingspan and tap in on it. And the Cavs can kind of grind this out a little bit because if you can make Chris Middleton uncomfortable, maybe he doesn't feel as in balance or in rhythm to hit one of those back-breaking breaking three-pointers when you claw the game back into the game about down six or eight points. And like, I don't know. Just like for me, like I'm looking at X Factors on Milwaukee's roster, and clearly, yeah, it's the two superstars at the very top. But if you would hurt the star, all star caliber players in Chris or former all star caliber players in Chris or guys that are like super high end role players in like Brooke or Chris or even Pat Connaughton or uh, Malik Beasley, like if you find ways to hit pressure points on them to make them uncomfortable, I feel like the Cavs could have a bit more of a shot because, like you said, like I, I was pleasantly surprised at how hard the Cavs played down the stretch, despite kind of feeling everything was going against them to start this game.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know the Cavs only turned the bucks over eleven times versus twelve for Cleveland. I think that's been an area that Milwaukee has struggled with at points throughout the season. And given that they are an older, slower team, running in transition is something that they they struggle to do. And I th- again, I think probably post Adrian Griffin, now they'll they'll be giving back a little bit better. But still, mm-hmm. I, I think you know a lot of ball turnover. There's only going to be so much they can do, especially because Giannis is usually over by the rim. And you know, if it's not the playoffs or the finals, we don't always see the the chase down blocks, which is fine by me. You know, Giannis don't don't uh, empty the tank in in late January, but. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you're – but to your point on Chris and Dame, I think the difficult thing with that is I think you definitely have to jump on the Chris – I call it Chris and friends minutes uh, if you're an opposing team. So because Dame plays whole first quarters, which is his comfort zone and helps you know get him in a rhythm for the game, it's pretty much impossible, I think, to stagger Giannis and Dame entirely. So they usually have Chris out there with maybe a couple other starters and some bench players at times in the second quarter, and then sometimes in the early fourth quarter. I think those, winning those lineups is just really important. So I think then if the Bucks, even if Chris just treads water with those groups, then you got Giannis and Dame coming back and, and that's, you know, treading water is just fine. So I think those are crucial lineups. The hard part about focusing more on Chris or Dame is the Bucks, you know, for all of their schematic uh, and coaching warts, they, probably because they've been doing this for a long time with Chris, they're really good at setting Giannis up, one pass away from those guys. So you know, finding the right balance of like, okay, we want Chris covered up, but you know, if Dean Wade isn't going to go help on Giannis, and they're they're going to set up the floor. So okay, then it's a one on one again with Jared Allen, who I think is just plays tremendous ball against the Bucks. I think that maintained. I mean, I think obviously uh, the Giannis assignment was was not going well for him, but you know, it doesn't really go well for anyone. I mean, that's, that's where Giannis is at. I mean, there's very, very, very few players in the league who can guard him credibly one-on-one at all. Um, But offensively, you look at Allen had another great game where he was able to score on Brooke Lopez with pretty much ease, which I think is beyond impressive. Not picking up fouls is just crucial for, I mean, you know, this, of course, a team that loses Tristan Thompson, plus they already without Evan Mobley and, and Darius Garland, like, They need him to play a lot, you know, no disrespect to Damian Jones, but I think he played pretty well, all things considered, but came from just not playing at all to now being the the backup big. So um, I think the Cavs really need to take advantage of the non Giannis and Dave minutes. And then it's just going to be tough with kind of a smaller roster without Mobley out there. I think it's going to be hard to keep Giannis out as long as Chris and Dave are having any success scoring the ball, which we saw. Chris certainly was, Dame got it done, but that's the thing about the Bucks. I mean, if both of those guys are rolling, it really makes life easy for Giannis.
0: No, absolutely. And like you said, um I was impressed with the fact that Jarrett had to kind of do double duty. Like sure, brooke isn't the maybe the big big office, offensive threat that he once was. Maybe he's not Splash Mountain, but he's still he maybe like a, a little bit sm- erosion hit and made the mountain a little smaller at this point in terms of his offensive impact, but like I splash toe. there we splash go splash toe uh, splash toe I like that even though that could be a medical sounds like a gross medical condition <laughs> at the same time but um um I was talking with Alan about this uh leading into last Wednesday's game when they were in Cleveland and I said like because it was assumed at that point Giannis was going to play because he wasn't even on the injury report and then he was suddenly ruled out with that right shoulder contusion um I just said, like, oh, there's a challenge with defending stretcher picks like Brooke because, like, that opens up the lane for Giannis, obviously, if he's if Brooke's able to pull you out of the paint. I said, like, what kind of challenge is that? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's really hard. He's like, you have to, like, either be comfortable defending in space in isolation against a guy who can pull you out like that. And he's like, I enjoy those challenges, but he's just, like, and then having to recover and then, like, try and help against Giannis is even harder because he's, like, he's so physical and so strong and... So unrelenting and just how he attacks you that there's just possessions or moments where you just want to say, you know what, screw it. I'm I'm tired of dealing with this guy. Like I want to rake down on him and just, you know, either force him to go to the line, maybe try to make two, or you know, it's an and one opportunity. But I am curious to see what adjustments they make. Cause like you said, like Dean Wade, does he kind of get more minutes of this one? He less minutes than Sam Merrill and Karis LeVert, two guys that came off the bench. Um but like you know, like two minutes ahead of George Niang, who's not a defensive stopper compared to like Dean Wade. Neither is Dean Wade, but I think Dean Wade's
1: just a more competent defender. So I mean, I he mean, was a defensive stopper the last time these two teams played. That's for sure. That is fair. I mean, he, I mean, he had Chris Middleton locked up the last time these two teams met.
0: So maybe that's the solution: is throwing yeah. Dean Wade at Chris Middleton right away and just saying, "All right, Jarrett,
1: you're on your own with two guys. You're uh, stretching up the, the floor in the paint." I mean, Struess on Brooklyn. I mean, the Bucks. Here's the thing. I, I think the Cavs can get interesting with this because the mm-hmm. Bucks don't. They're not good or they're not quick about. Oh, there's a six seven six seven guy on Brook. Like, let's get him right to the paint. Like they don't get to that and punish it right away. I think Struce maybe is like on the border of like, okay, we just have to do this now. But mm-hmm. I think the problem for Cleveland is, okay, you put Wade on Chris. If you want to put Allen on Giannis, who's your Brook guy? You know, I. I I don't yeah, know if you make the, a starting lineup issue. change, like, but you don't want to no. bench Struess, who's a good player. You're obviously not going to bench Donovan Mitchell, but I think you need a Coral for Dame. So it is just, an, I, I wonder maybe, you know, do you, like the teams have tried to put guys like Marcus Smart on Giannis? Do you, do you throw a Coral on Giannis? I, I don't know. Or maybe on Brooke and see if you can stand him up. I mean, you might have to just get, get a little funky and just start throwing yeah. stuff at the wall and see if you can confuse a maybe a brand new coach or, or an interim coach for the Bucks.
0: Yeah, so I don't know, that's also a J.B. Bickerstaff special, because I still remember when we had Larry Nance Jr. on the show once, and they the the Cavs rolled out the lineup of Larry Nance at the three, Kevin Love at the four, and Andre Drummond at the five, I believe, or some variation of that. Like, many, many moons ago, it was against the Heat, and Larry said, like, yeah, the Heat had no idea what we were doing, I mean, we had no idea what we were doing either out there, but somehow we caught them off guard enough, because like you said, so maybe it is a funky wrinkle like that, but... Uh, like like you said, I there's not gonna be a wholesale lineup change. You're not gonna bench Donovan yeah. Mitchell because no. logically the guy you'd probably start is Karis Levert. JB Bickerstaff's been pretty consistent in the fact that he is Cleveland's sixth man. Like coming into the season, Levert's like, I have a defined role, and I think that's really helpful just because like I was starting, I was not starting, I was out of the rotation for a bit, I was hurt. Like I, knowing that like I'm the first guy off the bench and They're looking for me to kind of get the offense rolling, whether it's my playmaking or just my own scoring. Like, I think Lavert has really flourished in that role. Like, sure, he only had nine, four, and four against Milwaukee in this game. I think the wrist injury is still bothering him a little bit, despite no longer having a wrap on it. But I, yeah, like I just don't see like a wholesale change happening. Like, you're not going to bench Isaac because you need him to really just be the game stopper to start the game, and like he did a phenomenal job in the first one. Did made game work for it at least in the second game we'll see how game three goes between these teams but i don't know it's just really interesting because like the, the Cavs are hurting quite a bit not having evan mobley out there and, like i think that's like my broad takeaway from yeah. last night's game is like having mobley would have made quite a bit of difference just because like really thrives is like that free safety defender but you could really have him stuck to Giannis too and like Giannis has beaten Mobley quite a bit in a lot of these contests up to this point but like I think just like at least it would have been enough to kind of rattle the Bucks cage a little bit and also just kind of make more of a cleaner like one-to-one matchup with some of these just different players you're plugging and playing in here but I don't know I'm I'm excited to see what happens maybe Craig Porter Jr. gets more minutes in this game just because he is more of a defensive guard with such a massive wingspan but uh, or maybe the Cavs turn this into a a bit of a boat race, like they made two more three pointers in the box after taking nine more of them, and I think the free throw disparity people will point their finger at and scream, but I, I don't really care about that. But like the Cavs surprisingly do have the shooters still to kind of like match a team shot for shot, and like I can ask you that, like would you feel comfortable if Cleveland tried to turn into a shooting like a three point shooting contest, and like do you think Milwaukee has the personnel to match it? Outside of obviously, like, you know, Dame Lillard, like just like between like Chris, Malik, maybe even Jay, uh, Pat, like those
1: guys. They've been a little streaky lately, but I, I certainly think Milwaukee is a personnel to match a shootout with, with basically anyone. I mean, uh, you got, mm-hmm. you know, Dame and Chris are the two standouts from the three point line. But Malik Beasley has been one of the most effective catch and shoot players in the league and really has dominated the corners. Uh, Pat Connaughton has not been as effective this season. But I mean I mm-hmm. you know, I said that I think coming into the game it was like thirty-seven percent and he was two for three, so that that's raised a little bit. And there was a time when Cameron Payne was leading the league in three point percentage. He has certainly fallen off from that lofty uh goal, but he was one for three as well. And Jay Crowder, um, the first again, Jay Jay Crowder and Campaign were like red, red hot to start the year, and then campaign just kind of cooled off naturally. Crowder got hurt mm-hmm. and came back and you know, threw up just a bunch of crap against the Pistons, uh, the Bucks the last game before the the Cavs game, but it was one for two in a very solid, kind of contained effort. Uh with some turnovers that that hurt him, but in this game. So I think they do. I think it for the Bucks, it's all about, you know, funneling the shots to the right players. You know, Giannis gotcha. and Brooke combine to take two threes, which is fine. When those guys combine to take like eight threes, then it's like, okay, that the offense is not working correctly. Like this is not the desired outcome. But Beasley takes five, Chris takes four, Dame takes nine, and then Condon and Crab and Payne both off the bench take three. Uh, That to me is like okay. When you're getting those numbers up, and maybe you could improve those even a little more, just raise them more. You know, that's that's the shot distribution you want, and you feel comfortable that you can hang around in a race with anyone. I mean, the Bucks, I think, are still the second offensive, second offense in the league right now, which. You know, means they're the first offense in every other season before this in terms of offensive rating, as I think, like seven or eight teams are this year, which is honestly insane. Um, yes. But yeah, I think I think I think Milwaukee can. I mean, I know that they are focused on uh, NBA champion Sam Merrill. Uh, Fronty called that out in his presser specifically. Like, you know, I watched him against Orlando, and like, just like, is he going to miss? No, he's not going to miss. And you know, he was four for nine, but I felt good about how we contained him despite being four for nine. So I think the Bucks yeah. I think it's kind of a KYP situation, know your personnel and that they're, you know, okay, we we'll let some guys shoot, but we're not gonna let Merrill get thirteen open looks. Like we just can't. We know what he can do. Um so yeah, I, I think you know, I think the Bucks really want to get back to playing defense. Like I don't think they want to get in a shootout, but I think that they can they can win those games and they kinda had to for a lot of their wins so far this season.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well speaking of possible changes or adjustments um there might be a new man calling shots and it might be a lot of dame lillard uh and eden pick and roll going forward instead which is apparently what the fans want but we'll talk about that in a second but we got to get another quick word in from our sponsor this friday episode of locked on calves featuring the one and only ty windish is brought to you by grammarly When it comes to writing, Grammarly supports you from start to finish. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology you can trust to help you across all the places where you write the most. And now Grammarly helps you do even more. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply with suggestions based on your context and goals. So you can improve productivity for you and your team. When you're stuck with writing at work, Grammarly can help you get started with ideas, outlines, and even tips. Grammarly can also help paraphrase and rewrite to be more concise instantly. But my favorite feature is that Grammarly can help you summarize your emails and provide suggestions on how to reply in two seconds so that every work email you get will actually be well. Best of all, Grammarly is free. So start being more productive at work and get Grammarly today. Just go to grammarly.com forward slash podcast to download it for free today. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com forward slash podcast.
1: All right, we are back. Ty, you had mentioned it. I uh, was jokingly
0: saying it like the the Cavs could be facing the same team three times in less than 10 days with three different head coaches. Um, I I, I know a lot of folks said that this Griffin firing wasn't super surprising because people were judging him from day one, whether it was the fans and also just the front office monitoring things internally according to reports. But I'll just ask you, how do you feel about the Doc Rivers hiring compared to just – you know, in the wake of the injury, Adrian Griffin firing.
1: Yeah. Now that everything that has come out is, is out there about, you know, the Griffin tenure. And, you know, I think the the most damning or worst one for me was there was a report, I think from Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel, who's on the Bucks beat basically that some of the big moments of the year, big defensive stands or, you know, great wins that felt great. And as a fan, you're like, okay, this is, you know, the kind of win that, you know, you can believe in this team and they're turning things around. Some of their best defensive moments of the season were players kind of just like freelancing or deciding to run what they wanted versus what was actually called. And when you read something like that, it's like, okay, you know what? That's a yikes. This had to happen. Like, someday, like you've, you've lost the team. And you, in any sport, you know, if you're a coach and you lose the team and they're just not even listening to you and they're tuning you out in year one – it's just hard to go forward from there. So, you know, is, is any fan of the Bucks or you know most NBA fans excited to hear that talk rivers is going to be your, your head coach. Probably not given the track record since 2008 with the Celtics of, you know, having pretty loaded teams and, you know, either blowing a three, three, one, three O lead or not blowing a three O lead, but blowing a three, one lead or two, one, two, Oh, whatever it may be, um, you know, everyone knows the track record. Everyone's seen the graphics. I mean, certainly this is a, a coach who has not escaped criticism. And beyond just like, you know, I don't like doing that kind of narrative stuff just because, mm-hmm. you know, the players are the ones out there playing. Like, I, I, I'm i yeah. more interested in hearing, like, what did Doc do in all of these series to ruin it? And there are – I'm not saying there's no answer in that. He's blameless in all of this. You know, there's been some rotational stuff, not playing young players, all bench units, those kind of things. And we'll just have to see how much of that – Makes the trip to Milwaukee and how much doesn't. Assuming he is officially hired, we got the reports. They agree to terms. It is not yet official as we are recording right now, but um, I think they did just need someone like Doc, though. And I don't think there was probably a better option midseason than Doc, given that he is available, was working for for ESPN. They they need a voice that the team is going to trust and and be respect, mm-hmm. receptive to. And I think Doc certainly for all the jokes that, you know, someone sitting at the computer watching NBA has around the league is a respected figure and, you know, has oh, won yeah. a championship has led so many great teams. And I think it seems like from talking to our mutual friend, Jordan Christmas and some others who are really watched a ton of doc rivers, like his plan mm-hmm. A's are pretty good. You know, he built, uh, uh, my co-host Rohan Cotty pointed this out, you know, the Celtics, the, the Celtics that won the title, to the Lob City Clippers, to the young that one year of young Clippers with Shea, to the Kawhi and Paul George Clippers, to the Sixers with Harden and Embiid. Those are all very different teams in terms of the makeup of the kind of players, and they all played very well. Like I think Doc finds a good like this is our baseline, this, which is a little Mike Budenholzer, to be honest. I think Bucks fans are going to be used to this. I think then it's like the adjustments and the little things from there. But uh, the hope for Milwaukee is all right, we got Damon Giannis and Chris Middleton and Burke Lopez, et cetera. Like, we need some more perimeter defense. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. But if we can just have a good base, that might just be enough. And we might not need to do four schematic adjustments per series. It might just be, you know what? You can't stop Damon Giannis enough times. So that, that's the series. Yeah. I think that's the hope. And just, you know, getting more level, getting to a respectable place coaching-wise could be enough. And, you know, if like a team like the Sixers or Celtics lost a series to Doc Rivers, would be even funnier. So those are the upsides for the Bucks.
0: It's funny just because like the tonal shift between you and Newmack, where he's like let out a heavy side and he's just like I'm, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. And he went on to therapeutically speak, talk. I talked him through it basically. Where he's just like I'm, you know, the encore stuff is fine. I think, like you said, he has a proven track record. He has the respect of his teammates. You had noticed that it's this, like, guys like your dad, or like at least in our parents' age, like they remember Dr. Rivers Marquette day. So this is that exciting factor for some of the old heads that are fans of the Bucks and just, you know, can get them involved with it too. And I think there's a fun opportunity to market that too. But um there's gonna be those moments too where it's I don't wanna say he's gonna overstay his welcome, but like there's gonna be a moment where if things don't go right. Doc's not afraid to voice his frustrations or maybe like he, he can. It's a coaching method to like throw, not throw your player under the bus, but like take a jab at them to like draw inspiration. Like Ty Lu didn't do it in front, of the, in front of everyone, but he would do it behind the scenes. Like that. everyone knows in game seven of the 2016 finals at halftime, Ty Lue told LeBron he wasn't good enough out there and he wasn't playing like a champion. It's in one the- of my favorite stories. And LeBron had to be held back because he wanted to fight Ty so badly, and then LeBron went out there out of spite to prove Ty wrong and won the championship for Cleveland. Like it's their motivational tactics, even though like sometimes the optics aren't good if you lose after the fact. But yeah, I am curious to see what happens. I think it's helpful though, at least in Doc's case and in Milwaukee's case too. Is reportedly he was in house as like a consultant for Griffin, so like he probably has some familiarity and relationship with some of the players, and just you know front office and members of the coaching staff at least just kind of like have a temperature check on what was or wasn't working for them and also maybe has a better understanding of like what was frustrating the players like you said when the just to go back to the griffin situation when the players were freelancing and wins like that's stuff the Cavs did when david blatt was coaching like lebron would tune him out entirely I'm sure people remember when he hit the game winner against Chicago uh, in the first year he was back in the playoffs. Like, Blatt drew up a play. LeBron ignored it entirely and called a completely different play, which resulted in the game winner, which, you know, that's also the same game where Tyloo had to rip Blatt's arms down because Blatt was about to call a timeout the Cavs didn't have. So it's, it's, it's tough. I think maybe griff adrian griffin is an example of a dude who maybe needs more seasoning maybe to the g league level or so he's like a lead assistant elsewhere or maybe he's just a better assistant than he is a head coach just because like he can't connect to players like that but i i am interested to see how this doc situation goes i know it's funny you mentioned um jordan christmas he's victory lapping really hard just because uh doc rivers broke him quite a bit towards the <laughs> end of his time in philly um And now that he's like singing the praises of Nick Nurse, it just like really says a lot. Even though NBA is playing like forty-five minutes a night, but neither here nor there. But um, yeah, it's I'm interested to see how the hire goes. I think it makes things a lot more competitive in the Central because you have Doc Rivers in the division. I think like Rick Carlisle has been doing an awesome job with the Pacers. I still think it's really understated how well he's adjusted from how he operated in Dallas versus how he's working in. Indiana now, and I think yeah. maybe not having Luca to butt heads with helps quite a bit. But like JB's co- is a really good coach. Like Monty Williams, you know, somewhere deep down uh, <laughs> has the pedigree of a good coach, despite maybe the Pistons' record. And like the the Bulls are just a just tragic because they're always hurt. But like Billy Donovan's a good coach too. Like this yeah. is a well coached division through and through. And like it does make it more fun at least, just because when you look at the top between Indiana, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. Like I think Milwaukee's going to win the division clearly, but like it does make it a lot more competitive. And I think you also know credit where credit's due. Horst and the Bucks did know, like, hey, this isn't working. They're tuning out the coach. We cannot afford to let this figure itself out because this is a win now, team. Like we can't afford to lose this season entirely because the players are going to be checked even more checked up than they are next week compared to where they are now. And it's a tough call. Like the optics behind it is always a tough sell because they're thirty and thirteen, and record-wise everything seems fine on the outside, but. This I'm not saying Doc's gonna be the guy who helps the Bucks win a championship, but it could be a catalyst type moment where it shocks Milwaukee, like the players back into reality. And then Doc, like you said, does enough schematically to have a plan A, maybe a plan B, but the plan A should be centered around Damon Giannis. And to your point, like he's stylistically coached a bunch of different stars all throughout his career. So like he knows how to manage egos and kind of maximize those things. It's just you know, how the rest of the role players fit in. But I think in Milwaukee's case, like, they have core four already with two of, like, their highest end role players and Chris and Brooke, like, rounding out that core four.
1: Yeah, and it's nice, too, that, you know, he has coached teams with multiple star players. And I think uh, overall has done a good job of including them all while making sure, you know, I think one of the things Jordan said was, like, you know, he gets guys in the right role. I think that's Mm -hmm. just important. And I think you're thinking of someone like a Brooke Lopez. We'll see what that exactly means for him. But I do think Milwaukee shot distribution staying like it was. This most recent Cavs game is really important going forward. Um, But, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, KG, Paul Pierce, and and Ray Allen, like, plus Rondo. I mean, that's a a loaded team that was on the same page and went to two finals and won one. You know, we can go through all the other players as well. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think... You know, again, it's not like if they had hired Doc in the offseason, I don't think people would have been as probably Bucks fans would be as maybe excited or relieved about it as they are now. But, I mean, the truth is, like, they, they blew the hire. They they were wrong, and Adrian Griffin just clearly wasn't, wasn't up to it or, or wasn't the right fit, one or the other. Um, but it, it just didn't work. And I think when you – the thing about Horst is he takes big swings, and when he misses – he recognizes it, and he doesn't take too long to adjust. I think we saw that here in the past with moves like DJ Augustine on the MLE. He was only around for a few months before he turned into PJ Tucker and the Bucks won a championship. Uh, so I, I think it's probably the best recovery you can do. It's still a mess of a situation. It was a cluster. Yeah. I mean, it was an incredibly poor way for the year to go. But all that said, and I think Dame said something that's affected after the game, you know, we feel like we have a long way to go, but we're still 31 and 13. So we're, we yeah. have the standing. We've still won a lot of games. and We can get a lot better, and we can hit our stride at the right time going into the playoffs. I do think that's the upside for Milwaukee is you still have the great players. You still have a great record, and now you have the rest of the year to kind of iron things out, get on the same page with the new coach, probably Doc, uh, and get mm-hmm. ready for the playoffs.
0: So let me ask you this as we wrap up. Do you think Doc Rivers will be manning the sidelines uh, and this episode comes out Friday this evening against Cleveland? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I would think so. I mean, we'll see. If he's not announced sometime Thursday, maybe not. But, I mean, if the reports are true that they've agreed to terms, I really don't see what the point in waiting any longer is. I mean, you know, no disrespect to Joe Prunty. And although it would be hilarious if they waited a couple weeks and Joe Prunty coached the All Star team, and Doc Rivers might coach the All Star team because Missoula did it last year and that would be the second place team. The Sixers are close behind. Maybe they'll catch up and. You know, it'll be mm. Nick Nurse, but uh, I think it'd be very funny if either of those guys did. Um But yeah, I would I would imagine if if terms are agreed to, like, just get it done and get him out there. And why waste time at this point?
0: OK, well, this will be a weird moment if he does not end up coaching, but I agree it's with someone you. Else. Th- yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's just no. But I mean, he's not manning the sidelines Friday. It's just like I think at this point it's a foregone conclusion. I'm looking ahead yeah. of Milwaukee's schedule. There is. Against New Orleans Saturday night, then they have Sunday off to rest and recover. Maybe that's the opportunity they introduce Doc, and then he starts officially coaching the team on Monday against Denver, but we'll see. Ty, thank you again for your time. Uh, folks, if you want to hear more from Ty or just keep up more with the Milwaukee Bucks, I definitely recommend checking out the Eurostep or Bucks and Six as well, like the two flagship Milwaukee Bucks shows, part of the Eurostep podcast network. And you guys are rocking and rolling and killing it. Uh, you don't have a talk of the. You don't have a Euro step flag behind you like Numak does for Talk of the Tundra, but no. Ty, I got to get my flag game
1: up. I really do. Thank you for having me, Evan. It was a pleasure as always, and hopefully we get another pretty good game between these two teams, another better one than a forty-point disparity uh, tonight. As everyone listens to this,
0: yeah, that's the thing. Is as long as it's competitive, I will have fun. I think for Kaz fans' sake, they're hoping for a dub, but we'll see what happens. But. Hey guys, on our way out, I just wanted to remind everyone that Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 sports news covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel.